The new Indiana Bible College album, At the Cross, will be available April 11th, 2018. Welcome back to the Indiana Bible College podcast, where today we have one of our own preaching. Brother David Brown has been at Indiana Bible College since year two of its existence in Indianapolis. Today we get to listen to him preach a message entitled, An Inheritance Reclaimed. Brother Dave Brown. Praise the Lord, everyone. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You can be seated in Jesus' name. I'm going to start a timer here this morning because my wife yesterday asked me what I was speaking about, and I told her, and she said, uh, uh, she said, well, how long are you going to speak? I said, I, I don't know. I said, I think the last one was close to an hour or something. She said, oh, no, 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 30 minutes. 30 minutes, and I kind of thought to myself, the words of Job, you speak as a foolish woman, but I know I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> uh, she's looking out for you, and I will not try, I will try to get through what I feel the Lord has given me here. Someone say amen. Someone say amen. She'd laugh if she was sitting here. She's probably watching on the internet, so. I want to go today uh, to the uh, uh, fourth chapter of 2 Corinthians, and I want to uh, give you an idea. I want to speak to you uh, for a few moments about an I, uh, a concept that the Lord actually started dealing with me about last July. It was an idea I came across, and it's been rolling around the back of my head uh, since then. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a concept that I think we need to kind of uh, remind ourselves of and challenge ourselves of uh, some things. Notice in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that Paul says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And Paul tells us here that there's something he has uh, uh, built up to this point Uh, And he tells us that we've got something valuable, but that it's in earthen vessels. It's in uh, jars of clay. It's in things that are weak and things that are fragile. But yet we still have something that is a treasure and something that is valuable that we need to hold on to. I, I came across something this uh, past summer. I was doing some reading, and uh, I was reading the introduction to a particular volume of books. There are multiple volumes of books in this particular series, and there, is a, there was a general editor who comprised, could put all of these books together and edited them for, uh, uh, you know, to kind of make it uh, flow and so on. But he was introducing this series of books, and he made a statement which just kind of really stood out to me. He was writing about Christian literature. He was writing about books that people older than me and, uh, and, and, and going back for over the course of 2,000 years have written. There are some classics 
of Christian books out there. But he was making the point, he said, the Christian church possesses in its literature an abundant and incomparable treasure. But it is an inheritance that must be reclaimed by every generation. And that was a very interesting point to me because I, I can think of some of the great classics of, uh, of uh, Christian literature, some of John Bunyan's writings or, or Grace Abounding or, or The Just War, The Holy War. There's a, there's a number of great classics that are out there that, are, that, that really serve the need of their generation, but not just their generation. There have been subsequent generations that have gone back and they have picked up those books and they have, have, have learned from those books and they have received a treasure from those books even though they were written sometimes hundreds of years earlier. And so it was an interesting point that McNeil here was making that the Christian church has an inheritance of literature, but it really does no good to you unless you take the book and unless you read it. Somehow, you've got to, you've got to embrace that inheritance, that inheritance by actually taking it uh, and reading it. And, I, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm pointing out the words here that, uh, that he, uh, he spoke in, uh, or, or wrote at the beginning of uh, this particular series, an inheritance that must be reclaimed by every generation. It's, uh, the, the word reclaimed kind of stands out to me there. It's, uh, the idea is that we restore something. We restore something. We rescue something. We, we actually bring back from its previous condition, we bring it back to a normal condition. We, uh, we, we, we restore something to its, uh, its rightful uh, place and its rightful value. I came across a story here just uh, in the last couple of days. I wished I had uh, uh, printed it out, and I wish I could tell you the story perhaps a little bit better, but I read the story about a young kid, I think he was 10 or 12 years old or something, who at a garage sale bought uh, a painting, an old painting that someone didn't uh, really want any longer and was quite willing to get rid of. And this young kid buys a painting for $2 that they find out later was actually a very valuable painting by a famous artist. And his investment for $2 turns out to be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. Don't you wish you were that little kid? Don't you wish you had that type of luck to be able to come across? Every now and then, one of these happens. You know, people clean out their attics or they clean out their garages, and, and, and somebody's got to go rifling through at a garage sale some old paintings, and in the middle of some not very valuable stuff, whoa, lo and behold, there is a valuable painting. There's something that has got dust on it. The frame has been cracked on it. The, uh, the, it, it needs restoration. It needs a little work. But, but by reclaiming its value, you can, uh, you can, you can uh, see that you have now have something in your home that is actually very valuable. Are you following me here this morning? 
You following me here on this point? We're, 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 uh, we're reclaiming something here. And the words of McNeil in this particular book, they kind of really reached out and grasped me, Brother Rodenbush, because we have so much more than just literature that we need to reclaim. There's a, there, there's a, we have some valuable things that we have been given. This apostolic church, this Christian church, has been given much more than just great literature. It ha- but it has been given itself an inheritance that has to be reclaimed by every generation. Your generation included. You have to reclaim what the prior generation has given to you. This is something that you actually have to, have to do uh, on your own here. Uh, prior generations have uh, reclaimed this type of a heritage, and you must uh, do the same as uh, well here. When we, when we consider the words uh, of, uh, when I considered McNeil's words here, reclaiming a heritage, it just kind of directed me towards uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7 with the key verse there uh, being verse 7. But, but you'll notice that the Apostle Paul breaks out for us a heritage that has been given to every last one of us sitting in this room. He actually starts in verse 1 here. He says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, as we have received mercy. Is there anybody in this audience this morning that can't say that you have received some mercy from Almighty God? You see, there's something here that, that we need to consider. We have, we have received mercy. And since we have received this mercy, and since we have this type of ministry that uh, Paul is talking about, verse 2, he said, we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. I could stop and talk about that for just a moment, uh, but, uh, but I will not make the 30-minute mark that my wife has put on us, you understand, for put on me. Uh, (laughs) We have uh, renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the Word of God deceitfully. I could stop and deal with that one for for, uh, just a few moments because we live in a world where, let me just be real honest with you, let me just be real controversial with, with, uh, with you this morning. There's far too many people out there calling themselves Christian that are actually dealing the Word of God deceitfully. They're actually using the Word of God for their own purposes and for their own benefit. And you'll know, just turn on Christian TV, and not all of them, but turn on Christian TV, and you'll see a bunch of them on there. It's kind of like dealing here with the Word of God deceitfully. Paul says, we've got this grace. We're not dealing with the Word of God deceitfully, but by the manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Then he goes on and he says, but if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. Think about that for just a moment. The gospel message itself was a very public statement. We just got done singing about it here this morning, a wonderful song. We just got done singing about a very public statement. Jesus dying on a cross was a very public act. It was for there for everybody to be seen, to, to see, but, uh, but, but there are some who have not uh, heard the gospel, and to them the gospel is lost here. Verse 4, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest... 
Otherwise, the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God. Somewhere I want, to, I want to take off down a rabbit trail right now and deal with the mighty God in Christ. It's kind of like somewhere I just want to kind of hit that doctrinal point here of the, of the mighty God in Christ, the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God should shine unto them, should shine unto them here. For we preach not ourselves, Paul said. We don't, we don't have ourselves in this. This is not our gospel. This is not our message. We're preaching something that's valuable here. We're, 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 we're giving something, val- out, something out that is valuable. But we preach Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves servants for Jesus' sake. Verse 6, for God. I love verse 6. I love verse 6. For God, who did what? Command the light to shine out of darkness. Has shined where? In our hearts. He has shined in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Where? In the face of Jesus Christ. It's it's, it's when it comes right down to it. Notice light shining out of darkness. Just like God did when he created the worlds, Genesis chapter 1. We see here another brand new creative act. As important as what God did for the worlds in Genesis 1. Notice here, he has done a new creative act. And what's that new creative act? He has shined where? In our hearts. He has given us something. This isn't something cheap. This is something valuable. This is something that you have to reclaim for yourself. You have to reclaim it here. God has, uh, God has given us something. I guess I would ask you a question this morning. Do you realize what you really have in the gospel? Do you really realize what you had in the gospel? There's far too many, look, I'm I'm thankful for every apostolic young person that grew up in the church. I grew up in the church. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm the third generation. Some of you were third generation. Some of you were different generation. I'm I'm thankful for growing up in the church. But I want to, I want to, sometimes I wonder if we apostolic people really value the gospel of Jesus Christ the way we should value the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's kind of common to us. It's kind of, we've been just used to this. It's kind of like, yeah, I got baptized. Not me, I'm just using an illustration now. Uh, uh, You know, I got baptized when I was six years old, got the Holy Ghost when I was seven years old. It's kind of like, but do we really appreciate the gospel of God? Do we really appreciate it? Do we really understand that before we were saved, we were sinners and we were separated from God? I'm doing some really good preaching here this morning. I'm in the book of Romans. I'm in the book of the other books of the New Testament here. I'm trying to get a point across to you that before you came to God, you were a sinner separated from God. And yet God in his mercy reached down and gave you something. He gave you something that you need to appreciate, not just on the day you got saved, but every day thereafter. We've received this treasure. Where? Where have we received this treasure, Paul? In earthen vessels. 
in earthen vessels. Think about the symbolism. Think about the imagery here of Paul. We've, 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 got this, we've got this great treasure that has been given to us. But where has it been given to us? It's been given to us in these earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We have this treasure. We have something worthwhile. We have something valuable. We've got the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ that has shined in our hearts. We've got a treasure that comes from God. It's kept by God. It's God's treasure. This is not something that you and I can can, uh, manufacture. This is something that comes from God. And yet, what are we? What's Paul referring to us uh, here as? Earthen vessels. Earthen vessels. Think about that. Uh, 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 we have human bodies. We are, we are of this earth. We are subject to decay. We'll ultimately die at some point. But yet God has given us something valuable. And where has he placed it? In earthen vessels. He has given us something that is eternal. And he has placed it in something that is not eternal. Think about that for a moment. God has given us the gospel that is that is eternal, and he has placed it here in something that is not eternal. And it's kind of like it's an earthen vessel. Think of a, think of a jar. Think of, think of something perhaps involving cooking, holding food or holding oil or something. But that earthen vessel will not last Over time, it will decay. Over time, it'll get cracks in it. Over time, it'll break down. Over time, that earthen vessel will pass off of this scene. But yet, right now, it is a valuable vessel. It's a valuable vessel. Think about that in your own life and in your own walk with God. Because right now, you that have been given the gospel of Jesus Christ, your vessel is a valuable vessel. Your vessel is valuable here. I'd ask you a question. Are you treating your human vessel as as seriously as God is treating your human vessel? That's a challenging thought to consider. When we consider what God has given to us and where he has given, to, uh, given it to us, really, the idea of, of, of earthen vessels is just really a metaphor for, for uh, these human bodies that we've got. God has given us something. God has given us a, a, a heritage. God has given us the gospel. God has, God has given us so many things. The list could go on and on and on here, but where has he placed them? He's placed them within us. Human vessels, human vessels that, uh, that, that are subject to decay and so on and so forth here. It seems to me It seems to me, students, this morning that the very challenge of the idea, the very very concept of we have this treasure in earthen vessels is something that we cannot take for granted. We can't take it for granted. It's not something that we can take credit for because it certainly didn't come from us and we didn't create it. It's a gift from Almighty God. 
I, would, I want to say this morning about the gospel is you, some of you have grown up in the church and your parents were in the church and let's thank God for that. But you can't rely on, your, on, on their walk. You can't rely on, on their reclaiming their heritage. You have to turn around and reclaim this heritage for yourself. This is something that you have to do. You have to, you have to embrace their experience, but you also have to embrace the heritage that they stood up for. The treasure that you have been given in the gospel, ladies and gentlemen, it'll keep you if you'll let it. It'll keep you if you'll embrace it. You, you, you know, life will get rough and life will have its challenges, but if you will hold on to the gospel, if you'll hold on to the work that Jesus Christ did for you, no obstacle, no tribulation, no problem in life can take it away from you. As you started out with a walk with God, and that is a wonderful treasure that you've got to reclaim here. Everyone say amen. I like going to uh, I like going to Washington D.C. Any of you like going to D.C.? I love going to D.C. Uh, there's so much to do in D.C. You know, it's proverbially, uh, if you went to uh, some parts of D.C., uh, <laughs> oh, the Smithsonian, for instance. How long is it going to take you to get through the Smithsonian? Weeks, weeks, right? I, uh, Washington D.C. is a city that is uh, that is filled. It's filled with uh, monuments and memorials. Uh, the very first time that I went to D.C., late in the afternoon, my wife and I took a walk down the mall, and we came to the Korean War Memorial. Any of you ever been there? Have you ever seen the Korean War Memorial? I got to see it my first time getting to see it. It was uh, uh, late in the afternoon, the uh, light had started to dim. Sun was an overcast day in D.C. There had been very little sun all day. Uh, and what was there by 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon uh, began to recede. And uh, we walked up to the Korean War Memorial. Those of you that have been there know that it is, looks like a medal. It's, a, it's soldiers that have been recreated out of metal, and it's soldiers on patrol. You can tell. One guy's the radio guy. He's got the pack on his back. There's another guy's the scout. There's another guy. You, you, can, you can kind of, if you know just a little bit about military, you can kind of figure some of these out. I got to tell you, Brother Galleon, it was almost surreal the very first time I was there because it was late in the afternoon, and the light was setting, and it was like, I, I, for just a moment, I just kind of stood there looking at this memorial and kind of tuned out the sounds of the city. And I just had one of those wow moments, an aha moment. It was like the, whoever, whoever uh, captured that, uh, that uh, whoever created the Korean War, he really captured something there about soldiers being on patrol and, and standing guard. It's, uh, it, it's really, it was, it was quite a powerful moment. And then I uh, turned around, I think it's about 180 degrees or so, and walked over to that long black wall that, uh, that uh, houses uh, the names engraved on the walls. I think over 50,000 people that died 
during the Vietnam conflict. And when I went there, I ended up seeking out panel 15 and row 15 because on that particular panel is the name of a relative of mine, a crazy Canadian from Eastern Canada who the family couldn't figure out why he would ever want to go down and fight in America's wars. He didn't have to. But he came down and he joined up with the United States Army and he went and fought in Vietnam. I, I would like to think maybe that it was because he had some altruistic motive for doing so, but knowing my family, I think he probably just wanted to kill something and blow something up. You know, I think it was, uh, I think, uh, I think, there, I, I, I don't know, I don't know. But after four years and a couple of tours in Vietnam, he was killed December 2nd, 1969. And his name is engraved, panel 15, row 15 of the Vietnam War Memorial. I had to go and see it, had to take a picture of it. When you, go to, uh, when you go to D.C., you look at some of those monuments, the World War II monument, the World War I, the various monuments that are there, and you are reminded, students, you're reminded that freedom has a cost to it. You're reminded freedom has a cost to it. Freedom is not free. Freedom is not free. We all... It live in a country today that has a lot of freedoms. But we have those freedoms because somebody went before us and somebody stood up against the evil that was in our society. And in many cases, it cost people their lives. And it impacted families, it impacted mothers, and it impacted fathers. During World War II, if a if a, uh, a soldier was killed on the battlefields of Europe, oftentimes the parents back home, the dad, the mother, would just simply get a telegram that would be brought by a delivery person. Some of you don't even know what a telegram is, a typed sheet of paper handed, delivered to, your, uh, uh, to a, a particular individual. And on that telegram would be just simply the words, sorry to inform you that your son and his name would be given was killed in action on some particular day. And you have a heartbroken mom and dad that will never see their son again. During the Vietnam War, there were, uh, there were multiple occasions, you can read about them, where a mother would be working in the house during the day. And a car would drive up into the driveway. And out would come an officer and a chaplain. And mom knows immediately this is not good. And there is a shriek of horror that pierces her lips as she realizes her boy is not coming back home again alive. That's the type of heritage that you've been given in this country. That's the type of heritage that we, we have in the Western world. It didn't always be that. It wasn't always that way. And let me tell you, there are evil forces out there 
There are evil forces out there that if they hadn't have been stopped, things in our world would have been much different. If, if, if Hitler in Germany had not been stopped, there might be a chance that you'd be speaking German today instead of English. And if communism hadn't have been stopped, and if the Western free world hadn't have risen up against the Soviet Union and actually said, no, we're not going to allow you to spread communism all over the world. There are some things that we need to hold as valuable. If that hadn't have happened, you might be living under a communistic system. You see, freedom, guys and gals, is not free. Freedom costs something. There are people that have gone before you who have put their blood, their sweat, their tears into the effort of freedom, and they have given you a heritage of freedom. And I'm asking you this morning, do you value that heritage of freedom that you have as much as you should have? As much as you should have. This is why when you hear the national anthem, you stand for the national anthem. You don't use the national anthem as a protest. You say, why are you so strong about that, brother? Why are you being so strong about that? I could give you a hundred reasons why you should stand for the national anthem, but I'll just give you one this morning. Thomas Edward Brown, my cousin, that's on the wall. That's why we stand. People gave their life for freedom. And the least that we can do is stand and give honor to those individuals that have given us a free country to live in, a free country to worship in, a free country to vote in, a free country to live in, a free country to, to advocate your ideas in. Freedom, ladies and gentlemen, is something worth contending for. Freedom is an inheritance that you and your generation are going to have to reclaim just like every other generation before you is going to have to, have to, had to reclaim freedom as well. You need to realize, ladies and gentlemen, that there is something in this world called evil. And as a great politician from over 200 years ago said, all that is necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. You want, you want evil to triumph? Good men just sits back and does absolutely nothing, and evil will triumph. This, this heritage, you have to hold to it. You have to value it. You have to, uh, uh, you, you have to, you have to uh, give yourself to it. You've got to reclaim it. Somebody say amen. Amen. I think of, uh, I think of uh, those of us that have grown up in the apostolic doctrine. I think, uh, I think uh, of some of us that have grown up. Sister uh, Null, go ahead with that picture. I, uh, I had a conversation one day with my uh, mother before she passed away. And uh, we were talking about a little Pentecostal church. A little Pentecostal church that uh, I used to hear some of the family talk about. And uh, I didn't, you know, I was pretty young, and I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it. And uh, she looked at me, my mother looked at me one time, and she said, well, David, she said, you do remember that it was your uncle that pastored, your great uncle, that pastored that particular church, don't you? And I said, uh, no, I've, 
completely forgot the point. Uh, if I knew the point, it was one of those things that I'd kind of forgotten over time. And uh, she said, oh, yeah. She said he was a, he was a Pentecostal preacher. He was, a, he was an individual that uh, had his own Pentecostal experience, and uh, uh, he pastored a little church out in the country, a little small farming community. And uh, he put that uh, church together here. Well, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. I found it in an archive, that church. My great uncle, actually, and about 16 other men actually built that church. Not much to look at, is it? Not much to look at. Not much to look at by uh, today's standard. I'm seeing there in the picture a lot of high grass. I'm seeing, I, I don't see a paved parking lot. How do you have a church without a paved parking lot? I, uh, I don't see an educational facility uh, to it. If you know anything about these types of churches, they're just one big room on the inside. There's, there's not much, uh, there's not much uh, to them, it's just one big room. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of struck with the fact, since I'm living here in Indiana now, that there are no basketball hoops. There's no basketball hoops. I don't see a rec center up there. I don't see a fellowship center up there. But here was a church. That picture was taken sometime prior to 1952. Here is a church that these people had had a Pentecostal experience. And they said the Pentecostal experience is worth contending for. And so they put a little bit of action to their Pentecostal experience. And he and my great uncle and 16 other men actually built that church. And, uh, uh, and, and uh, it was a place where people could come and receive their Pentecostal experience. Fact of the matter is, the, uh, what they called that church is really quite eye-opening. Really, I was going to say eye-opening, I guess it is. It's kind of uh, uh, illustrative. They called that church the full gospel Pentecostal assembly. I kind of like that. I kind of like that because there is a half gospel. There is a three-quarters gospel, but you can get to a point where you come to an understanding of the full gospel, full gospel, and it wasn't just going to be any old Christian church. This was going to be a Pentecostal church. This was going to be in the days that this one would have been built. This one would have been a holy roller church. This is exactly what it would have been. You look at it. I look. You notice uh, up there, guys, you, you notice that there's a chimney at the very back of that building? I'll all but guarantee you the, the way they heated that building was with a wood-burning potbelly stove. It's kind of like it's not much to look at today. But this, ladies and gentlemen, is what the prior generation has bequeathed to us. This is what they passed on to us. They passed on something that was very valuable to us. The, 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 the whole idea that this Pentecostal message, the oneness of the Godhead, the great God and Savior Jesus Christ manifested in flesh on this earth and an understanding of exactly who he is, that is a heritage that we have to reclaim. Do you really think, do you really think our apostolic forefathers gave us this heritage just so that we could take churches that they helped build and turn them into community churches who don't believe anything? 
Think about that for a moment. Do you think they gave it to us just so that we could take it and tear it down or go do something else with it? I tell you, no. This is, this is a revelation that they stood for. This is a revelation, and it's a revelation that is worth fighting for. Someone say amen. amen. I look over this audience today, and there's a, there's a, bunch, of, uh, a bunch of you uh, uh, students that have tremendous uh, uh, heritages and tremendous histories. I could, uh, I suppose I could jump through a few of you and just kind of point out uh, just some of the tremendous heritages that some of you have. Some of you are second, third, and fourth generation apostolic. You got a heritage, but you've also got a responsibility. You've got a responsibility to value that heritage. You've got a responsibility to, to do something good and proper and something valuable with what you've been given. Someone say amen. You see, where's Sergeant here? she here this morning? There we go, Ashton. Good seeing you back there. You've got a heritage. You say, How, why do you pick on Ashton? I'm not really picking on Ashton. I'm just using her as an illustration. How do I know uh, Ashton? Don't know her real well since she come to IBC, or before coming to IBC. But you know you're getting just a little bit older when your wife actually babysat her father. <laughs> her father's a great guy. If you've heard him preach, he's a fantastic preacher, fantastic individual. Have any of you ever met Ashton's grandparents? None of, you've, uh, none of you have met Ashton's grandparents. I want to tell you something. They're wonderful folks. I came across them several times in Idaho and the Pacific Northwest. Your grandfather's one of the craziest hombres you're ever going to come across. But, you know, I, I love talking to your, your, uh, uh, to your grandparents. Something in their spirit just kind of identified with my spirit. It's kind of like you, you got a real heritage there. You got a real heritage there. I mean, you got something really valuable there. Where's Brosom? Is that Brosom hiding in the stuff back over there? Wow, I know your parents. They were on staff here at Calvary Tabernacle. He was the youth leader at Calvary Tabernacle for you. I know your grandparents, the Cunninghams. What wonderful people. What wonderful people. What are you, Calvin? Third generation or fourth generation apostolic? Third, third generation, third generation apostolic. It's kind of like what a heritage, both of you guys. Both of you guys have been given a tremendous heritage. Boy, something valuable has been given there. Something valuable has been given there. I'm seeing in the back of the chapel over here, I'm seeing Boyvens back there in the back row. You got a heritage too. When I came here to Indiana Bible College, Jim Sleva, Brother Sleva, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When I came here in 1990, it was your grandfather, Dan Lyford, and a bunch of other Dans from Calvary and other men from Calvary who were trying to put this building all back together so we could have a wonderful Bible college to, 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 uh, to be part of. They were crawling around in the ceiling and trying to fix your grandfather, crawling around in the ceiling trying to fix broken pipes so they didn't leak, so that we could actually have a Bible college to prepare people here for ministry. And think about your grandmother, Justin. Dear Lord, how many years did she work in the cafeteria here at IBC? 
I, th- I think Pat Lyford, even, even for her fault of, of, having, of loving Elvis's music, I, 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 think, I think she's probably had far more of an impact on Indiana Bible College than even I have. You say, how can you say that, Brother Brown? Because you want to try and run a Bible college without a cook? When it comes right down, you want to try and have a, have a college without a cook? I, I think Pat Lyford has been one of the unsung heroes of Indiana Bible College. Close to 27 or 28 years cooking in the kitchen down there. If you value, students, if you value Chicken Finger Friday, where do you think that come from? His grandmother is who that come from. She's the one that actually instituted that one. You got a heritage, Justin. You got something to live up to. You got something to live up to here. Let's just go. Let's just cover some of some of the rest of you. Some of you may say, "Well, Brother Brown, I, I don't have much of a heritage. I wasn't born in this Pentecostal movement." Fact of the matter is, Brother Brown, uh, 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 my, uh, uh, my mother uh, uh, gave birth to me, but I, ha- I don't even know who my father is. I don't, I don't have a, a real heritage. I don't think I got much of a heritage natural, much less a spiritual apostolic heritage. Well, I got a word from the Lord for you today. Interestingly enough, it showed up in our song service this morning too. I got a word for you. Before you were formed in the belly... I knew you. Before you were formed and before you were born, God knew you. And so let me tell you, you may not have a heritage in this world. You may not think you have much of a heritage in this world. But if you have the gospel... And if you have this apostolic truth, and if you live in a country that believes in freedom and believes in democracy and believes in everything good and right and honorable, you have a heritage just as much as anyone else in this room. You you, you You say, I don't have much of a heritage. I got a challenge for you. You start a heritage. You start a heritage. You start a heritage. You may be first generation, but you say, okay, there's something valuable here. I'm going to pick up on it. I'm going to take it. I'm going to live for it. I'm going to carry it through. You start the heritage. And now I say something really serious, as if I haven't said a bunch of things really serious already, right? But let me, say, let me say one thing really serious. I don't wish this on anybody. I don't want any of you to walk away from the gospel. I don't want you to walk away from the principles of holiness and the principles of righteousness. But if you decide to, if that's the direction that you're going to go in, leave this heritage alone. Because I will guarantee you there's going to be a first-generation apostolic somewhere that's going to come along and say, you don't want it? I want it. I'm willing to take it. I'm willing to stand up for it. You want to be popular? You want to be popular? You want to, you want to have the biggest church on the block? You want to just go for crowds? 
You want to just have a crowd just to be having a crowd, but you don't preach anything righteous. You don't preach anything holy. You don't take a stand on anything. Is that the type of church you really want? If it is, you leave a Pentecostal church alone. You leave an apostolic church alone. Go start you one of those churches somewhere else. But you leave this heritage for people who value this heritage. I'm closing. Musicians, come, if you will, and let's transition to an altar call because I'm interested today not so much in your response to the message, I'm interested to my message. I'm interested in what you do around the altar. I want to ask some of you this morning, I want to point out to you that we stand on the shoulders of great men and women who have lived before us. We need to value what they valued. We need to incorporate and embrace and reclaim what they valued. I'm speaking to apostolic young people today because I think some apostolic young people have taken holy things and they have treated them far too common. They've treated them far too common. They don't value them. And you need to learn the value of the gospel. You need to learn the value of freedom. You need to learn the value of this apostolic message that we have. You've got a treasure and some, sometimes you don't even know it. You don't even recognize it. And so I'm going to ask you a question here as I'm going to throw this altar open in just a moment. Are you going to reclaim your heritage or are you going to refuse it? What are you going to do? What, 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 uh, what is it? What, what is it that you need to reclaim? What is it that you don't treat as important as you should have entreated it, as you should treat it? Everyone stand. What is it you need to embrace and actually make it your own? This is mine. This is not just my parents' gospel. This is not just my church's gospel. But this is my gospel. This is not just their apostolic movement. This is not just a prior generation's apostolic movement. This is my apostolic movement. What is it that you need to embrace here this morning? What is it that you need to treat as valuable? I'd ask honestly to some of you this morning, I'd say, have you thrown some things already into the garbage that you need to go back into the garbage can and pick up and, re and, 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 and treat as much more valuable? This, I think, is a real, a real challenge for us uh, this morning here uh, to, to reclaim the heritage that we've been given. Altars open. The altars open here this morning. The new Indiana Bible College album, At the Cross, will be available April 11th, 2018. 